All right, Psalm 51. Lord willing, we're going to conclude this psalm this week. We started it and then we got sidetracked with Christmas and talked about the story of Simeon. And then we were off last Wednesday because it was close to Christmas. But we're going to finish up this last portion of Psalm 51. We've already looked at the first 12 verses and we're going to finish tonight. We're going to start in verse 13 and Lord willing read to the end. Psalm 51. Psalm 51 verse 13 is where we'll start. Just to recap, David had sinned. He had committed adultery. He had had the husband of the woman he committed adultery with uh, murdered uh, to try to cover up his sin. And uh, God had punished David because of that. And David was uh, very brokenhearted. He was crying out to the Lord in this psalm. He's telling the Lord, look, God, I feel the shame. I feel the guilt, dear Lord, but uh, be gracious to me even in the midst of all of my sin, God. Uh, David was pouring out his heart. He was confessing his sin to the Lord, and that's what this psalm uh, really is. And that's what we've seen in the first part of this psalm is really David's confession of his sin and his asking God for grace. And then we'll pick up in verse 13 here in just a second. So let's pray and we'll dig in. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these good words. And I pray, God, that you would just help us to hear them. I pray that you would help us to look at our own lives. Maybe there are times that we sin, maybe right now, or maybe it's something we've done in the past or something we'll do in the future, dear Lord. And let us recall these words of David and uh, confess our sins in the same way that he does, dear Lord, so that we can grow in you and overcome our sinfulness, God, not because of our own good deeds, but because of your grace that comes through Jesus Christ. And so I pray, God, that we would find your grace tonight and find it forevermore. And I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Verse 13. David says, Then I will teach the rebellious your ways, and sinners will return to you. Now, up to this point, David is asking for forgiveness. And in the prior verse, David had said, or asked God, he said, Look, restore the joy of my salvation. Give me a willing spirit. David had already asked God, change my heart. God, change my spirit. Let my spirit be a spirit that's steadfast on you, that's trusting in you, that's seeking you, that's living for you, that my heart doesn't desire sin, but it desires to follow you, Lord. And he says, God, and when you've restored the joy of my salvation, when you've taken the burden of this guilt and this shame away from me, he says in verse 13, then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. David is saying, God, restore me so that I can restore others. Now, this probably uh, is something that, 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 that we experience in our life. When we have experienced God's grace and God's forgiveness, we probably have a similar heart. We want to see others experience that same forgiveness. We want to let others know there is hope out there because we realize that we are sinners like everyone else that we encounter. We know that there are other people that go through the same struggles that we do, that experience the same sins and the same temptations and the same stresses and the same anxieties and the same worries and the same fears and the same failures that we've experienced. We know other people that experience those things. And when we find God's grace and our joy is restored to us and we receive salvation, then it's natural to us when we see other people 
who encounter the same struggles that we have, that we can say, look, I have found an answer to our sin problem, and it is Jesus Christ. I, I, I was hungry. I was thirsty, just like you. I didn't know where to turn to. I didn't know what to do, but I found Jesus, and he restored my soul. He brought joy to my life, and let me teach you about what God has done for me. That's what David is telling the Lord here. He says, look, God, when you restore me, when you bring joy to my life, when I've experienced your salvation, I'm going to teach others what you have done in my life. I'm going to tell others about your goodness. In verse 14, he says, Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. And so David is explaining what really should be the response of each of us. When we have sinned greatly and we come to the Lord and we open our heart to him and we confess our sins and we repent and we experience that joy and salvation that God gives us, it almost always, it should always result in us praising the Lord and us worshiping the Lord. When we know that the guilt of our sin has been taken away by God, it should result in us worshiping the Lord. Now, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have no doubt experienced this, that when you have been cleansed of your sins, when you have been forgiven, you probably, there was an excitement there that you could not wait to tell people, look, I have followed Jesus Christ. I am, I am a disciple of Jesus now. And you see the words of songs maybe you've heard your whole life, and they have a different meaning to you. They speak to you. You sing out in praise, maybe not even at church. Maybe when you're alone, a song pops to your mind or a scripture pops to your mind, and you recite that scripture. You sing that song. You worship the Lord because your soul is rejoicing that God loves you, that God has been gracious to you, that God has forgiven you. And that's exactly what David describes here. He says, look, God... When you save me, when, when you are my salvation, the God of my salvation, let my tongue sing of your righteousness. Let my tongue praise you. And the greater the sin we commit, uh, at least in our mind, uh, whatever it may be, as bad as it may be, it seems like sometimes the worst thing that we are forgiven for the greater our praise may be. The harder our walk has been, the tougher it's been for us. Maybe we have a life that's a checkered past of all kind of horrible things, and maybe as a result of that, we recognize God's grace all the more. Or maybe our life's not been terribly bad. Maybe uh, for some people, they simply grow up in church and they hear the truth of God's word, and they follow Jesus just the same, and their conversion experience uh, is also a rejoicing one. Uh, but sometimes uh, people that come from a, a rougher background, their, their experience or their excitement may be different. And that's okay. Because sometimes we may see or hear other Christians giving their testimony. And we may say, boy, my testimony is boring. I grew up in church all my life. And I have loved the Lord and I knew God's word all my life. And then we hear these other people and they're like, and I was in prison and then I was on the run and then I did this and for 20 years I did this and man, I was on death's door and, I, and all these things. And they tell us these stories and we're like, wow, God did such a powerful and mighty work in their life. Wish he'd have done something like that in my life. Well, guess what? The work he did in your life was just as powerful and as mighty. And it may be that God uses us in different ways. Our testimony may not be as grand. I, I use that because maybe that's the, uh, the way we look at other people's testimonies. 
But other people's past experiences, God is going to use them to reach people in a certain way. And maybe those who have grown up in the church, God is going to use in a different way. Maybe our stories aren't the same, and maybe our stories aren't always as exciting, but God uses us in a different way. And we need to be careful not to say, man, my story's boring. I, I can't reach people with my story. Yes, you can. There are people that you can reach, and there are people that other people can reach. Now, I don't know everybody's story. Uh, you may have all grown up in a church and, and, and lived a good life, or you may have grown up on the wild side. But wherever you have grown up, whatever life's path has taken you on, when you come to Jesus Christ, God's grace is just as good for the person who has done a ton of bad stuff or the person who was raised in church. It's just as wonderful and amazing, God's grace, no matter what your story is. And David says, look, Lord, I will open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Now, David had sinned in a, in a, in a great way. He had committed this adultery. He had committed this murder, and he was ready to tell other people about what God had done in his life. He was ready to tell other people how God had forgiven him, how God had restored his salvation, how God had brought him joy. And we need to be willing to tell people our story. Whatever our story may be, we need to be ready to tell people our story. Because if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the main part of our story is that we have been saved by grace, regardless of what our past may have been. And we need to be like David and say, okay, God, you have delivered me. Now, God, how can I serve you? How can I, how can I tell others about you? How can I teach people about you? How can I worship you all the more and my life be an example to others? That's what David did. And that's what you and I need to do as well. And we see people like David and we may look at people like David and say, boy, look at the sin they have created. Uh, how much wisdom could they have? What kind of advice could they give? But sometimes those who have been through the roughest circumstances in life and those who have sinned greatly may be the ones to best advise in certain situations because they have been through things maybe that, that we have not. And so we need to be careful when we look at people and say, boy, they have a real checkered past. They've done some horrible things. I'm not going to take their advice. Well, we need to be cautious. We need to uh, seek discernment and wisdom anytime uh, someone is speaking into our life and giving us guidance. But sometimes those who have been through life situations the hardest may be the ones who, are, who give us the best advice and the best wisdom because they have been through the mistakes and they have learned from their mistakes. And that's exactly what happened with David. Uh, he had done some uh, pretty uh, gross sins here, but he said, God, I'm going to take what I've learned from my mistakes, from my sinfulness, and I'm going to tell others about you. In verse 16, he says, you do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with the burnt offering." The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and humble heart. Now, in David's time, there were lots of sacrifices that were to be made. That's what God's law called for. We see that early on in the Old Testament. And there were certain animals that were to be sacrificed for certain things. But David realized that a, a good sacrifice from a bad heart was a was a no significance, that God didn't care about such things. David realized something that you and I need to realize, and that is God cares more about what's in our heart 
than he does about our actions. Now, David, being the king, could have sacrificed as many cows and goats and bulls and birds as he wanted to. He probably would have had hundreds of thousands of animals at his disposal. He could have sacrificed till the altar reached hundreds of feet into the air, probably with all the dead animals' bodies. But David realized that that was not what was pleasing to God. It's not just a going through the motion that God cares about. It's the changing of a heart. It's a repentant heart. It's a humble heart. It's a broken spirit. And David knew what God was looking for here. David knew that there was nothing he could do to earn God's grace. Because grace is given not because it's earned, but because it's grace. It's something we don't deserve. And David says, look, Lord, I would give you sacrifices, but it wouldn't do any good. So God, all I can do is humble myself before you. I come to you with a broken heart saying, God, I have sinned and I ask that you forgive me. And what David did is all that you and I can do. We can't earn God's favor when we have sinned. We can't say, okay, God, I've sinned. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to read my Bible more this week. And that's going to balance out the scale because the scale is tipping out of my favor because of my sin. So God, I'm going to do a little more. I'll put a little more in the offering plate and that's going to kind of level things out. Well, maybe that's the mindset we're tempted to have, but that is not what grace is. God's word tells us time and time again that God is a gracious God, that he gives us grace, that he gives us forgiveness. If we come to him, if we confess our sins, and that's it. If we humble ourselves before him and we confess our sins and ask him to forgive us, he will forgive us if we do that with a right heart. Now, David knew that truth, uh, but even the people of Jesus' day still hadn't learned that truth, even though David had wrote this psalm hundreds of years before. Because Jesus is still explaining the heart of what God desired. Because many of the people didn't get it. They were still going through the motions. Their outward actions looked just right. But Jesus said, even though you do what's right on the outside, he said, your heart is far from me. You honor me with your lips. You say the right thing. You, 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 you do the right things in front of people. You look the part of a godly person, but you're not a godly person because your heart is not focused on God. And Jesus was trying to explain in the Sermon on the Mount the heart of what God really desired, that people would love God, that they would love their neighbor. But many of the people of Jesus' day were not righteous. They were simply religious. They were going through the religious motions, but they really didn't desire to give their heart to God. They didn't desire to confess their sin, to acknowledge their sinfulness. They didn't desire to acknowledge God's grace, his power, his might, his mercy, his goodness. They didn't praise God for who he was. They were just trying to get by and earn God's uh, grace by doing the outward things. But God doesn't want us just to go through the motions. He wants us to give him his heart, no matter what we have done, no matter how bad it may be, no matter how sinful we may be, no matter how ashamed we may be or guilty we may feel, the solution to our guilt, the forgiveness of our guilt, the, the, the joy to replace our shame comes when we, like David, humble ourselves before the Lord with a broken and humble heart and say, God, I have sinned greatly against you. God, would you forgive me? Would you restore me? And when we confess our sin from our heart, guess what? Just as God restored David, so will he restore you and I. Verse 18. 
In your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in, in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Now, not only is David praying for himself here, but we see a mention of Zion. Now, we see Zion mentioned several times in Scripture, and we actually talked about Zion several months back. We talked about different meanings of Zion. Sometimes it's speaking of a, of a physical place. Sometimes it's used uh, as a symbolic language uh, like we see in, in Revelation. But uh, here David, when he speaks of Zion, is, is almost certainly speaking physically of, of Jerusalem or of the area or some particular area in Jerusalem. And he's saying, look, God, I want you to have good pleasure on us, not just David, but on all the people. Now, David was the king, and he had not been a good king. And he's saying, look, God, bless me, but also bless these people. Uh, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Protect us. Now, he could be speaking there of real physical walls. Maybe they needed physical walls to be built, or maybe he's simply speaking symbolically there. God builds some walls to protect us against our enemies, if not in a physical way, in a, in a spiritual way, that God, we are going to trust you because we know that you are our protector. Uh, whether he's speaking spiritually or physically there, uh, it really doesn't matter because he's saying, look, God, be good to us and watch over us and take care of us. And when uh, Zion is, is righteous, when they are prospering, when God is with them and they are focused on God, he says in verse 19, then you will delight in righteous sacrifices. And so David recognized that he still needed to offer sacrifices to the Lord because that's what the Lord required. But the Lord required sacrifices from a right heart, not sacrifices just for the sake of sacrifices. David knew that first he needed to get his heart right, and then he needed to sacrifice to the Lord. This is a beautiful psalm for us to bookmark. Maybe uh, you have read it many times as I have, or maybe you've never read it before. Uh, but uh, for me, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of my favorite psalms. It would probably be in my top five list uh, of psalms that... Uh, is good to read from time to time uh, to make a make a little note in your mind maybe that you know there might be a time in your life where you sin and I hope that the Holy Spirit will recall the words of Psalm 51 that we can study uh, the words of David that we can study the actions of David and that through this psalm we can see the grace of God we can see the love of God that God's grace is greater than our sin that God's love is greater than, than, than our sin, and if we come to God, and if we pour our heart out to Him, if we confess our sin, and we humble ourselves before Him, we can experience that grace and that love, and it is greater than any sin that you and I have ever committed. And through Jesus Christ, we are able to experience that grace, and I hope we are all doing that tonight. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these good words. And God, I pray that you would just help us to realize how much you love us and never to forget it. God, sometimes we, we sin, and God, I pray that you would just forgive us of those times. And sometimes we allow our sin to overshadow your love, dear Lord. We, we feel like our sin may be greater than your love and greater than your grace, but God, that's far from the truth. So don't let the enemy uh, convince us of that lie. But God, even when we sin, let us seek your grace. Let us seek your love. Let us repent, dear Lord. Let us follow what David did to acknowledge when we have sinned, to come to you, to seek you, to seek you just because you are good, dear Lord, not because we are good, 
but because you love us, dear Lord, because we are valuable to you, even though we don't always see our value, dear Lord. Let us be reminded of that value by the fact that we see that Jesus gave his life on a cross for us. So God, I pray that if there are any tonight that struggle with sin or are struggling with sin or will struggle with sin, dear Lord, that they would see your grace in this psalm, that they would draw strength from it, that they would praise you, dear Lord, that they would be restored and that they would live for you, dear Lord, to be a light to the world. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.